Who are the unstoppable ones? Is it just that they can do it and I can't? Who are the unstoppable ones? Is it just that they can do it and I can't? Mission Unstoppable. Mission Unstoppable. The Unstoppable Ones. You did say unstoppable, right? Yeah. You did say unstoppable, right? What is it they know that I don't? Coach Frankie Picasso takes you on the Mission Unstoppable. Anyone stop these people? Good evening, and I am the Unstoppable Coach, Frankie Picasso, and you are about to go on another mission, Unstoppable, with me. Before I introduce my guest to you, I just want to say that today is April the 15th. The time is 9 p.m. in Toronto, 2 a.m. in London, and 3 a.m. in South Africa. Welcome to you wherever you are in the world. I also want to thank the good folks at Blog Talk Radio for allowing us to broadcast over their network. Thank you, uh, John and for all the hard work that you do, and Christy as well. Last week, you met Diane Lang. She's an incredible woman, a woman with a passion for children's rights, human rights, in fact, someone who stands up and fights injustice wherever she finds it. She is a real-life freedom fighter, a woman who has been fighting social workers, police, and magistrates for years. Anyone who will not play ball within the constraints of the Child Care Act is open season. Every day... Diane puts herself in harm's way to protect the rights of children, despite the personal hardship. She sold her beautiful beach home to support the continuing cost of feeding, housing, schooling, and the medical costs associated for these children. Despite the brutal murder of her best friend, children who have died in her arms, children who are taken from her, because corrupt social workers would rather take these kids from Diane out of spite than have them stay in a place that is safe for them. Diane has been targeted for murder by corrupt government officials who have stuck their secret police onto her, the Scorpions, and now tonight she's back with us again. Tonight you're going to hear more about some of the children and the abuses Diane continues to fight for every day, even though she is thousands of miles away from her children. And tonight I hope to open a dialogue with you, our listeners, about compassion, about what we can do to get a numb world to help these kids. These are not faceless and nameless children. There's Mary and Betty, whose picture was put up last week. Maybe you saw it. And Sam and Lindua and Evelyn and Clayton. Tonight we're going to meet some of these children through Diane. And also Jonathan, who I found out, you know, hung himself not that long ago. Why would a 13-year-old boy kill himself once he was taken away from the safety of Diane, Mama D, and her home? So, again, welcome, Diane. Welcome Thank to Mission Unstoppable. Thank How are you. you doing tonight? I'm fine, thank you. It's Excellent. very nice to talk to you. Oh, well, thank you. We're really, really glad that you're back with us again. Now, we got to um, we got through most of your story, but there, there were still some parts of the book that we hadn't got to. Um, I know that we, and I wanted to finish that before we got into some of the other stuff, if that's okay with you. That's fine, that's fine. Okay, so we had, we had buried um, Luke. You, you know, we had, you had... Um, Dug his grave out with a with a tin can. Yes. Uh, you, you got them to let him. You bury him in the white cemetery. And, yes, that's um, right. Yeah, that was pretty heartbreaking stuff. And every day, I mean, you have sent me letter after letter about um, all of the 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 childcare laws that are being broken continuously by these social workers, by. Uh, I mean, for years you've been working with these people. There's Johan Pinyar and Punza Mobo and Mrs. Ferreira and the Magistrate Mata. I mean, these are people whose name keeps coming up over and over and over again. You're continually in court with them. Um, well, <clears throat> unfortunately, um, we're in a situation where we don't get any service delivery from the State Department. So it's departments that are actually there in place to protect the children, but they don't protect the children. And um, um, uh, it doesn't matter whether I go, I I beg them, I've pleaded with them to please um, do things within the Child Care Act. And, of course, um, I get no response from that. So I've gone above their heads and above their heads, and nothing ever happens, nothing ever changes. The children continue to be abused. 
not only by the communities, um, they continue to be neglected, left on the streets as orphans, um, abused by the communities where they have to eventually um, trade sexual favors for a slice of bread. Um, and uh, they are abused by the system as well, by the very um, uh, government uh, agencies that are there to protect them. And um, not only does nothing get done to the officials that are abusing uh, their, their powers, but um, they actually get promoted. It's absolutely outrageous. I mean, I get so angry when I when I see these things, and, and we've seen them in the papers this past week. They've been in court. They've they've lost. They've been in contempt of court. I mean, there's all sorts of things happening. And, and later on, I think uh, one of the lawyers is going to be calling in, and, and hopefully we'll get to speak to Ruth, and she can talk to some of that. But Diane, you won two humanitarian awards. You won the Claren Diamante Award. You won um, another award. I, I saw a video that was done on you um, by a news agency, it was absolutely um, just, I, I don't even have a word for it. I mean, I cried, I, I screamed, I, I, you know, it was so unbelievable. I, I, I don't understand why these people use you. I don't understand. They'll bring the children to you and, and, the, and then they'll take them away from you. Like they use you when it's convenient for them and, they, and when they think that they can hit you and, and stick you in the gut and hurt you, then they come by and they, and they grab a kid and say, yeah, oh, well, screw you, goodbye. Well, you see, um, there's some police officers um, that that ha do have compassion, and they will find a child uh, abandoned, and they will bring that child in. But then the social workers say, uh, use various excuses, and they'll say, oh, but you, you know, um, you are not of the same culture, so this child must go back where he belongs. And of course, he belongs on the street, so the child gets put on the street. Or um, they will. Uh, I just sometimes the the reasoning just beggars belief. Um, <clears throat> and some some of the children I have I have found on the pavements. I have found them on the streets. I have found them on the rubbish dumps. So none of the officials have actually brought them to me. Um, mm -hmm. And then they they will remove the children from me and put them back on the streets. Or in the case of Patricia, she had been living with me for five years. She had been a street child. Um, she had dressed as a boy because she had been raped so many times that she started dressing like a boy. Mm -hmm. um, she was 10 years old when, she, when I took her in. Um, when she was uh, just before she turned 15, her father was released. Her mother was dead from AIDS. Um, she had been gang raped so many times that she had been given AIDS as well. Um, but her father was released from prison, and he had been in prison um, because of um, assault uh, with intent to do grievous bodily harm. Now, once he was released from prison, the social worker said, huh, this child doesn't need to be in your children's home. She can be returned to her father. And immediately they removed her from my, my care, gave her back to her father, and two weeks later she was... Um, Assaulted. She was found murdered. Oh, my God. With her brains beaten out of her skull. Was that her father? Well... You know. Nobody's been... Nobody's been charged, of course. Yeah. I'm sorry, Diane. We have a caller. We have a couple of callers here this evening. Um, I'm going to uh, 905. You're you're on, and um, if you'd like to start in 416, we'll get to you in just a moment. 905. Did you have a question for Diane? Hello, welcome. Um, hello, my name is Alice, and um, first of all, Frankie, thanks a lot for allowing me to speak for a couple of minutes just flundering over this um, website. Anyways, um, for Diane, I was listening last week's, uh, to last week's broadcast and um, was very motivated in completing Saving Mandela's Children. Having read the book, I really felt sad that this part of man continues to disregard human beings, in particular the children. The fact that, um, Diane, you're living 
a mission that is truly um, unstoppable and is truly amazing. I'd like to believe that the separation that you have from South Africa and the children um, and their home is only temporary and that the distance is allowing you to um, assimilate your thoughts, your aspirations for when you will and what you will do upon your return. Diane, I hope that the broadcast and the, and the exposure of, of humanity will um, come forward to you and that you truly are the salt of the earth and a superhuman being, and I only wish you um, good health and much success in the unstoppable mission of saving Mandela's children. And I would like to think that the book would be more readily available um, in the general stores. And, thank, you. Uh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you very much, Alice. You're welcome. Alice, that was beautiful. Thank you so much for calling and sharing that. Um, and I hope everybody feels the same as you. Uh, I, I can't imagine how you couldn't. So thank you so much for calling in. It was really a pleasure uh, to have you say that to Diane. And I'm sure she, she feels that. Okay, take care. Take Bye-bye. care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. 416, you're on the air. Good evening. Hi, good evening. It's me, Ruth. Hi, Frankie. Oh, hi, Ruth. Hi, Diane. <laughs> Hello, Ruth. I'm so happy to hear your voice. Thank you for being my my warrior fighter. <laughs> I should introduce You're Ruth Williams welcome. is is a Canadian lawyer who went to South Africa um, and worked at the Legal Resource Center. I think that they send Canadian lawyers. Is that what they do, Ruth? They send you over for a little bit of a mission. And um, you what did, are, Yeah, explain what you do. (laughs) You know better than I do. What it was was I was uh, an intern with the Canadian Bar Association. Okay. And um, they have a youth internship program where they send newly called young lawyers over to speak, uh, over to practice in various areas of the world. And they basically just match. They look at your your resume and they match you up to um, a corresponding um, legal center, uh, another lawyers association, anywhere in the world where they feel that you could do some good and be of some help. And so the program is is designed to last for six months. And um, well, I I when I met Diane, I had decided to stay on longer than the six month period. And yeah, I ended up staying there for about two and a half years. <laughs> wow! So you saw a lot of this stuff firsthand, and you fought firsthand. Now, I, my understanding is that you first took the Department of Social Development um, to, to task for, for noncompliance, not, not paying these safety fees for the children. Yes, yeah. Um, uh, uh, together between uh, working closely with Diane and um, there were other children's homes and families and as well the, the director of the Legal Resources Center, Sarah Sefton, uh, we all worked together to um, develop some cases to start uh, getting the department to pay. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I think that you're being a bit humble because you actually <laughs> took them to the Supreme Court, didn't you? We took them to the uh, Superior <laughs> Court, yes, in <laughs> in Grahamstown. So yes, I am being a little bit humble. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. my um, <laughs> that's my weakness, as Dan will know. Well, that's that's a Canadian weakness, I think. So we're going to ask you to, uh, the, the, you know, put on that warrior hat and just put that fight call on and just tell us everything that you did. Tell us about these these characters that, you know, to me like they're bad. They're like the just the evilest people. Like they're the the wicked witch in, in a fairy tale. That's you know, Pum's a mobile. I mean, she she just drives me insane. You know, <laughs> and, and Johan Pinar with he's just so. Unresponsive and just can't even care. Like I just can't even imagine who this man. What yeah. he, what he thinks in the morning when he gets out of bed and looks in the mirror at himself. You know, I mean, you met these people. Yeah. Um. I, well, I didn't get to meet any of the people that Diane worked directly with in uh, Middleburg. I don't think I probably could have standed that. But right. I did work with um. You know, work across the table with in opposition with uh, the head of the department and some of didn't the people who worked under him. And did yeah, he just want to shake them? Did you say? Didn't you just want to shake them and, and say, "What is wrong with you people? Why would you rather have children living on the street in garbage dumps, dying, than having them live in a home with some woman who who wants to love them and care for them and feed them and give them medical attention? Like, what is wrong with their thinking?" 
Yeah, um, you, there are so many emotions that go through you, you know. There's there's just incredible sadness and anger. Um, you know, some days you're just depressed because you you don't know whether you're sane or, or what's going on. And um, one of the, the amazing things about working with Dan is just how inspiring she is and um, how you can you can connect with her and um, and have not just have a client that you kind of have to mask your feelings from and you know be, put on a brave face but someone you can definitely pick up the phone and call when you're beyond frustrated I remember sending SMS messages to her <laughs> do you find that Diane built you up did, did she make you feel better instead of the other way around she, there are many times when she made me feel better when I just, um, just from, just her strength just helped me continue working, continue fighting, and just inspired me to, to give it up my all when I was there. Well, yeah, I mean, you stayed for two years from a six-month yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. I'm always amazed at how um, she keeps her temper in check, how when she writes these letters, these daily letters, like, you know, it's been four years now, we haven't heard from you, please, you know, please think about us. <laughs> yep. She's just she's just so calm and, and collected where I would be, you know, ready to just tear their hair out, yeah, come after yeah. them with a baseball bat. That's, that's it 100%. Um, I mean, we're ta- Diane, I'm sorry we're talking about you like you're not here, but you'll never say these things on your behalf. But she is, her letters are eloquent, they're mm-hmm. raw, they're real. Um. She, yeah, she's just the she's just the 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 best advocate that these children could have. As a matter, oh, of thank that. you so much. But I want to just tell you that I think that <clears throat> Ruth and I were um, a good a good team because when I was down, Ruth built me up, and when she had had enough, um, I said, "Come on, Ruth, you can do this thing." And um, Ruth went beyond the call of duty. Um, when I was working on my computer and sending uh, emails at 12 o'clock at night um, to Ruth, she would be answering me um, when we were fighting for the rights of the children. And um, when she was going to go back to Canada after a year, a year, I said, you can't do this to us. You can't leave us. And she stayed. Wow. And um, when Ruth did leave, um, she left a big hole in our lives because we truly believed that um, there was no one outside of our home who would... Who would fight like she would. ...would fight with such dedication and motivation for us and for our children. I'm going to read a little bit. Um, I'm just going to read the, the last paragraph of a letter that Diane wrote. I think it was actually today. Because one of her children, or a couple of the kids, they go to school, they need to pay school fees, they need to wear a school uniform. And because these kids haven't really been socialized terribly, they've been living on the street, their education has been disrupted if they've had it at all, um, the schools really don't want to have the kids stay there any longer. And please stay on, Ruth, with us for here. Mm -hmm. And so she says in in her eloquent way, if your reason for not wanting our children at your school, if your reason is because we have not paid the school fees, then have the courage to tell us. If it is because the children have been disadvantaged and you do not want your school to be tainted by AIDS orphans, then tell us. We are not removing the children from the school. It is impossible to expect our children to be up to scratch and up to your standards within one term, considering how disadvantaged they have been. We and the children are trying our best. However, we, just as every other parent, want only the best for our children, and therefore will persevere until we are accepted as part and parcel of your school and the community of Middleburg. We deserve nothing less. Bigotry, scandal-mongering, cowardice, and hatred will not be tolerated by us. We will fight such behavior with love and truth. I trust that you understand our position, yours in truth and love of the children. Diane Lane. Now, this is, this is typical of the type of letter that Diane writes. She doesn't go all crazy. She doesn't, you know, uh, call people names or do anything to incite people to turn around and, and want to do harm to her. It's all in truth and love. And she says, 
every single time. I'm going to fight it with the Constitution. I'm going to fight you back with your own words. And this is what she does, is it not, Ruth? Yeah, that's exactly it. That that is that's that's just the the exact tenor of all her letters. And I want to introduce you to 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 Linda Watt, and and she was one of the children, I believe, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Diane, that that was particularly. I, I guess the focal point of that letter of why they didn't want the kids to stay at the school. But this is a young girl who has been violated, raped many times. She's been stabbed. She's had her hands boiled in water. She's, you know, every horrific thing that you can possibly think of has happened to her. Then you told me when, when her rapist walks by her, because her rapist is still out on the street, able to walk by her, she stops urinating. You know, she is so disturbed. And, and yet is trying so hard to go to school and make something of herself. She does not have HIV. So she really, really has a, a future ahead of her if she wants it and if we can give it to her. And so this is just one of the kids that is not a faceless, nameless child. This is somebody that you can help. This is somebody that you can send $54 to, Canadian, so that she can go and speak to a psychologist and get some help. I mean, this, this is what we're saying. It's not a mass of humanity. These are kids. They're, it's Sam and Betty and Mary and Linda Wall and Evelyn and Clayton, and all of these kids have names. And, and they're all loved by Diane, and they're all fought for by Ruth. And this is, this is why we're here. This is exactly why we're here. Linda wants to be a magistrate when she grows up because she says that she will make sure that every rapist goes to jail. Wow. And she's not the only girl that you have that's been raped. Many of them have been raped numerous times. You, you no, know, well, the book. all my children have been raped and sodomized. This Every is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. We have another caller. Let's bring them on. Hello. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable. You're on the air. Hello. Hello. Uh, it's Alan Russell from Brampton, Ontario. Um, I think I said all the compassionate things last time in the first broadcast, and last night I was choked watching your um, CD video. Um, what more can one say, other than try and think of some positive things? And not while we've got Ruth on the phone and Diane, I, I wondered two things. Firstly, whether if the orphanages combined under an umbrella and would be stronger, getting the lawyers, rather than fighting as a cottage industry, one, orphan, one small orphanage taking on the government, a number of orphanages together might be able to hire and retain lawyers in a better way and share information. I know the, the orphanage I'm involved in in Somerset East, we have this trouble over birth certificates. If you don't have a birth certificate, you don't exist. You can't be raped. You can't die. You can't do anything. So, you know, if we pulled our knowledge, it would be one thing. I'd be interested to hear what you two ladies have to um, say on that. And the second thing is, one is directed, the last question is directed to Frankie. I wondered whether or not, since you've got such interest on these two broadcasts, whether we might try and do another orphanage or orphanages from other parts of Africa which have similar problems. We have problems with birth certificates, but, you know, we get support from the community. We have problems. The government is um, negative. We have more trouble fighting the government than anything. But I wonder whether... We shouldn't discuss some of these positive things. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely, absolutely. Right. I think well, we have to humanize this. Well, ahead. first of all, um, the as far as the children's homes are concerned, um, I most of the children's homes in the eastern province, which is an ANC based, uh, an ANC run area. Um, most of the children's homes are actually run by the government and they're not um, NGOs or, or charities. And so, therefore, they run on a completely different system. They don't follow the Child Care Act. The children are, are not taken care of properly and there's no accountability or responsibility in those, those children's homes. As far as birth certificates are concerned, all my children have birth certificates and there is a way of doing these kinds of things. Um, the children's home in Somerset East is getting money from the government, government because it's a, it's a um, 
child welfare organization and child welfare gets money from the from the state um, <clears throat> we don't get uh, any money from the state because our children are are, are form eight children which means that nobody wants them and there's a problem with the legislation in that once a child is found to be um, a child that isn't able to be fostered or adopted, the um, South African legislation has made no provision for those children to be taken care of by the state. I thought, sorry, Diana, you're the expert on this. Um, I thought the Constitution governed nurturing and care and protection of all children in South That's Africa. That's correct. But there Why, where's the gap? There is a gap in the law between the Constitution and the actual law, so they have to, they have to rewrite the legislation to, to fill in this gap between the Form 8 throwaway children and the actual Constitution. So but you, you think cannot there are even... People, sorry, I'll leave you... But do you think, in actual fact, we all got together, if you got together in a group, you'd be able to have a concentrated attack? Um, rather yes, but than... there is no group. There is no group. Could you group. not form a group? Sorry? Uh, there's Could no, we not use this media group? to form a group? Are you saying that there's you can't have a group, Diane, because some are, are, are their government, their state-run and not, and not NGOs? That, that's that correct. You can't form a group if there, if there are not, if, if there's only one of me in, in the province. There are other, for example, in KwaZulu-Natal, there are lots of children's homes because there are a lot of um, charities. A lot of money comes into KwaZulu-Natal from um, overseas um, because that has been an IFP area. And so there's a lot of money coming in there from the United Nations and from the United Kingdom, and from other, other countries. There's a, a tremendous amount of money coming into KwaZulu-Natal and also into the Western Cape. But there is absolutely no money coming into the Eastern Cape. Can I ask you why? It's it a, is political a thing. It's a political thing. Um, and it also depends on on whether the the province is run by the ANC, the IFP, the Democratic Alliance, and so on. And it also depends on how, how many hands are being um, greased. Are we talking about charity money now? Or are we talking about government yes. money? Charity money? Yes. So you mean charity money doesn't get to you directly? Government Never. Never. Charity money never goes to the people on the ground. Charity money, all aid money goes to the government, and the government's supposed to filter it down to the charities, but it never gets there. So if you formed a charity, you're saying that you don't get that money directly? No. So, <clears throat> so for example, in the United Kingdom, if money is... It, it, the, the money, the, the aid money that goes to South Africa from the United Kingdom out of the taxpayers' money, this huge amount of money that goes for AIDS and HIV, for example, from the UK to South Africa, goes to the government. But that oh, money. Oh, you're talking about that aid money. Okay. Okay. I think we're talking two different things. Are we, Alan? Um, no, I, I just find it difficult. If I wrote a check to the Dine Lang Foundation, that would go directly to you, would it not? Yes, to your yes, foundation? That would. Yes, and that would go the big charity gave money to the Dine, it would go directly to you? Yes, yes. They're not going to filter that off? Oh, no, no, no. The, the other thing, Frankie, had you ever thought of running a couple more programs? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> because I'd like to hear, I like, I mean, South Africa is a very difficult country to deal with, but, you know, I'd like to hear what other people are doing. I mean, um, and other problems they have. I mean, people have great problems dealing with the social services. And, you know, I think perhaps if we join or even together on the problem, it might be solvable. Like, I, I did, try, I did I, try to do that, but many of them have, um, they have succumbed to the, uh, the social development's pressure because we were given, 
we were given, all of us who had these charities, who were not government-funded children's homes, were told that we could choose six children and the rest were be, to be put back on the streets. And like, I don't understand why they would, why, I, you know, well, of course we don't understand anything that they do, but I don't understand why they would make such an issue of you've got five feet, you can only have two kids in here, you've got bunk beds, and yet go, go live on a garbage dump and that's a lot better because, you know, we care that, that you know, you've got three kids in, in here and you've only got one person to look after them, and yet they'd rather put them out on the street with nobody to look after them. It's but insane the, thinking. But you can't. That's the way it is. So people succumb. I mean, I know that you told me a story about a woman who was very wealthy. Did you tell it on the last show? I can't remember. No. no. Okay. So she was very wealthy. But, that, but that's she, only one person. There's, there's, that's what's happened to all the other children's homes. So they have all closed. Well, let's just tell this story very quickly. She, had a, she has a big mansion. She was going to take in all of these kids. She's she got did she have. For, for how many people, did you say? She had 60 children. She had 60 children, and they came, and they said, you can only look after six. She had a huge mansion. She's very wealthy, and, and so she gave up all the kids, and she has six kids. Like, that's crazy. Why would she do that? Why would she succumb? Because she doesn't have the Diane Lang passion and fighting in her. But she also has a family, and people are afraid and intimidated. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? You know, when you live in a state where people make up their own rules and regulations and you can't rely on the law to to protect you because the law is, is corrupt, um, then, then you know, you do have a problem. And I guess not everybody is willing to put their, their life on the line like you are, Diane. Also, um, I have tried very hard to get other people to join me, but they they are afraid to join me. They say, look what has happened to you. We're not going to do that. Right. So I know that I'm really ignorant about South Africa and, and, and you know, Zululand and Zimbabwe and all of these places. But, you know, I just want to share with, with the listeners today about that letter that came, that came um, from Zimbabwe. It was a, um, a, a white African farmer who, who said that, you know, there's people at their gates. They're singing war songs. Uh, Mugabe has brainwashed his war vets. They're going to take our land equipment and their pedigree cattle. Cattle. They 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 managed to send their daughter and their and their little son into town to protect them. But they've gave they've given out their phone numbers, and they said, you know, we don't expect to be alive at the end of the day. Uh, but let the world know about us. Let the world know about us. Like this is very scary stuff. To me, to, I, I would think for all of us who live over in Canada, we've never experienced anything like this. We don't walk around in a place where, where um, you know, people are, have guns everywhere and are, are pointing them at us. That's not our life, our lifestyle. So it has to be very scary to know that, you know, you're, you're maybe, I guess in this farmer's case, he's the, the white minority uh, with these black soldiers now wanting to get their way, um, you know, wh- whatever they think, whatever they want. And nobody's going to say differently. Because whoever's in charge is going to say, yeah, well, that's the right to have it. Well, most of the land's been taken, Frankie, first of all. But secondly, the, the veterans are not veterans. They're too young to be veterans. Mugabe's a veteran. He's 80, over 80. So all these people who say they're veterans are not veterans. They're too young. And this is a political thing. There are very few white farmers left now. They've taken most of the land. But Zimbabwe is a country of this world. I mean, it, it's really a country you really cannot talk about. It's not sane anymore. I feel dreadfully sorry for the people there. And, you know, the, the world is trying, but other than force, it doesn't seem to be. If you can take election boxes and take them home and count them in your home and then decide who's got the ones, that's not a fair election. So Zimbabwe is, you know, I, I feel ter- dreadfully sorry for anyone who lives there, black or white. You know, the black right. are starving. Right, and 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 so, but it doesn't sound like the people in you know eastern province of South Africa are a whole lot better off. I mean, is anybody there responsible? Does anybody in that country care? Do you know? Is how can we, how can you deal with people when you when you, you don't know if they're on the up and up? 
this is the problem. But for the people, you know, we want to help Diane. We know that Diane is doing a good job. We know that her children, I mean, all you need to do is, is look at the pictures of these kids when they come in, and six weeks later they go from, you know, just a child who who, who is just so depressed and, and beaten and, and has the world, you know, on their shoulders to, to a happy, smiling kid who now looks like a child again. It's incredible how resilient our children are, even after everything that's happened to them. You know, Diane, you haven't got any friendly lawyers who could challenge the form, get the form eight kids covered, have you? I mean, this is a legal thing as much as it's compassion so far, but it's a legal system in South Africa seems still to be somewhat intact. You any ideas? Um, in in oh, sorry, in regards to you mean the 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 treatment of form eight children and how they're the funding, the support. Yeah, uh, the the state of the of legislation now is that it should be changing. They're they're kind of in in South Africa. It's kind of they're they're in limbo at the moment. The old legislation where there isn't any automatic funding for Form Eight children is still in existence, and there should be a new Children's Act that's supposed to be coming into power, where children will get funding automatically. Um, and uh, we've, we had done, the, the Legal Resources Center had done some research into whether it would be possible for us to litigate on this matter. And, you know, we, in, in our consultations with senior advocates, they just told us it's something that we won't be, you wouldn't be able to do. What's a Form 8 child? Let's just tell people what that is. I'm sorry. A Form 8 child is a child who's been permanently placed in a children's home. Okay, and so what could what could a home expect to get for a, a Form 8 child? What kind of funding could you get for that? Well, they're they're basically like Dan said, there exists there is no form there is no funding. Right, what there is no is is that you must apply for a grant in order okay. to to get that to get funding that's available. But of course, applying for applying for this grant is very it's it's like a minefield. It's very political, as Dan said. It's um, uh, some children's homes have been successful in in being able to secure that funding, mm-hmm. um, and but uh, but you know someone like Diane Lang, who's been very who has challenged the department on on misbehavior and has has um, found herself in a bad light with the department. It just doesn't happen without But if she was to get funding, Ruth, if she was, let's say she was somebody that they loved, how much money could she expect to get per per child anyway? Oh, I I can't remember, Dan. What is it again? Um, It's 1,500 grand per child. Yeah. 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 And see, this sort of money should be coming automatically, right? Is that per year? Sorry, is that per year, per month? Per Per, month. Per month. Per month. Yeah, well, that's what how much uh, Canadian? It's about um, four was fifty. That's about two hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is money that it's our position, and it's our and it was it was it was our belief at the Legal Resources Center when I was working there, and it was it's Diane's position. I think it would probably be everyone who works in this area. It would be their opinion that children's homes should get funding automatically from the department when they are caring for children who have no other place to exist. The department argues that by by encouraging children's homes to apply for grants or forcing children's homes to apply for grants, then they're certain that the, you know these homes are are serious and that the the money will be spent wisely, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But what is but are you know the argument is what would be the point of placing children permanently in a home? So issuing a, a, a children's home with a form with a form eight um, with a form eight child, and placing a child at a home on a permanent basis, but not have funding connected to that child. You know? Well, yeah, it's bizarre. So the home. So basically, the home must already have money and be in existence and be on be on its all fours. Take these children in, and then they must spend more money in order to develop a plan and do meet all the requirements underneath the department's application process. And the problem that exists legally is that when you 
when there is a gap between, when there is an old law that's going out and a new law that's coming in, by the time you start your litigation and get it off the ground and get it to the point where you can get a decision in your favor, that new legislation will probably already be in existence. So when we when uh, we when we had consulted at the legal when we at the legal resources center consulted with with um with senior advocates they you know they told us exactly that that it that there is n- there basically is nothing that can be done at this moment to force it's the unbelievable that somebody you know opens up their home takes in these kids sells their home does all this stuff and if if everybody remembers last week, you know Diane had a beautiful beach home that she sold so that she could fund the uh, the care of these children. Now that money is running out, and you know she's desperate. We're all desperate that these kids have some money so they can continue to live and go to school and have medicine and food in their bellies and uh, you know someone to love them instead of being back out on the garbage dump at the restaurant where they used to eat their dinners. Uh, so it's very important that we find a way to. Um, to fund them and, and to fund the Diane Lang Foundation. If you have any ideas, if you have any thoughts, we would really appreciate you calling in and, and discussing it with us. Anything to brainstorm um, a way to get people to, to wake up, to care, and, and have some compassion again because it's very difficult um, to talk about these kids and you know kids that, that have names that, that she that Diane loves. I mean, she loves these. These are her kids. They're her kids, and. Uh, to see what might happen to them is is very alarming. So please call us and let us know if if you have any thoughts. Ruth, it um it must have been a uh an adventure of a lifetime for you to go there. It was a real eye opener. <laughs> you probably never do anything as difficult as you did there. <laughs> well, I hope I do actually. I hope I in my career I can continue challenging myself and trying to make the world a better place. Like in your opinion, then what what is the best? Uh, can people, um, you you know Diane, you're a lawyer, you're an attorney. Uh, obviously, she's somebody that that you would recommend that people can give money to. Her home is beautiful. I've seen the video of it. It looks, you know, it looks like a really great place for a kid to grow up. It really mm-hmm. does. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, the, the 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 amount of care that Diane and her staff put into those, each of those children. Um, the only thing you can compare it to is if you had your own child and how much love and care you would give put into them. I've read reports that that Diane and her staff have created. We went. Uh, I was shared. I shared it with others in our in the office in Grahamstown, and it was um, it, it listed each name of the child, um, their height, their weight, what they're good at, what they're what they need strengthening in at school, what their favorite foods are. It was it was like reading, um, you know, it was reading like a, a, a parent's summary, baby book. a parent's baby book. That's exactly what I what I was looking yeah. for. It was like reading a parent's baby book for Rag book. dozens of children. Wow! <laughs> and each child sounded so beautiful and so happy, and to see the faces and the pictures, they couldn't be in a better place. That is awesome. That is so good. So, Diane, how how if we wanted to fund a child, if I wanted to sponsor a child, how much would it cost me? As much as you can afford. Okay, but can you give us a dollar amount? So, you know, because people, um, I know that you're looking for any bits of money, but really, like, three hundred dollars a year, one hundred and fifty dollars a year, four five hundred dollars. Like, what? Give people the proper amount that would really help one child for a year go to school, get their uniforms, have any counseling that they need, books, tutoring, what what would be reasonable? Well, it costs, um, for Linda, we we have got an appointment um, for professional counseling. Her counseling session is going to cost 380 rand for an hour. Okay, and And we figured uh, out that that's about $54 Canadian. So if somebody would like to sponsor her counseling sessions that's fifty four dollars Canadian. And she's gonna yeah. need a few of those for sure. Um and um the reason I wrote to the school is because they would like to us to remove the children. One of the the problems is because Lindelwa is constantly fidgeting in mm-hmm. class. Mm-hmm. Um they've used all kinds of ridiculous um 
reasons. Um, and the if if we were getting funding um, from the government for the children, the government says that it costs one thousand five hundred rand to bring up a child, um, and that is a, a minimum of what it costs in South Africa. To one thousand five hundred dollars uh, a month. Rand. Uh, yeah, but a month. Oh, I don't know what it would be in. No, 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 I'm going to look that up right now, but you're talking about 1500 per month, not per year, yes, right? Yes, okay. yes. All right. I'm just going to look that up while you keep talking. I'll let and, everybody know what um, that is. Um, I just wanted to tell Ruth that the latest on the on the um, the new legislation for the child bill has been put right. on hold until further notice because they are trying to do something about the uh, scorpions and the... Uh, police and the legislation uh, revolving around that. So I don't know when they're going to be doing something about the children, but I think that since the um, social workers and the welfare department don't even know how to to read or or, um, read the Child Care Act as it stands or work within the Child Care Act. I don't know whether they having a new child care bill passed is going to make too much difference in South Africa at the moment because even the Constitution is blatantly ignored. Yeah, yeah. So for about $2,300 a year, that's what the government it says it, it costs to raise a child in South Africa. Um, oh, okay. So the, D- D- the Diane Lang Foundation Children's Home is in our chat room. They're saying that um, Diana, you were at the at the meeting. She was at the meeting with the school, and it was very clear that they wanted the children out. So they're just and making I think up. That a- if if we were able to pay these uh, these school fees, uh, uh, um, they might have a better attitude towards us. But I think they're looking at us as the poor relatives that they would like to get rid of. So what, what, how much are we short, Diana um, or Diane, do you know how much we're short for the school fees? 24,500 rand for the year. 24,500 for 20, the year? 24,500 rand. Okay, let me look that up. <laughs> Hang on, everybody. Keep talking. We'll get there. Um, but, but according to the Constitution, we the children are entitled to free schooling. Oh, Okay. So they cannot even demand that we pay this. And I'm holding them to the Constitution. Is this a private school? No. It's not? No. It's just so why do you have to pay for school. uniforms? I don't understand. Why are they wearing school uniforms? No, I, I know why they would wear school uniforms. But why do you have to pay for uniforms if it's not a private school? Because every school in South Africa, you have to pay for school uniforms and you have to pay for books and you're supposed to pay for school fees. Even though the Constitution says that every child is entitled to uh, an education. This is the difference between our Constitution and what the government departments demand of us. Okay, so we... because Because people cannot afford to pay school fees, the principals send them home from school. And I, because I demand things according to the Constitution, my children are in school. Um, but other people, because they don't know their rights, their children don't go to school. So we have this whole generation of, of children that don't go to school. So for the last 13 years, as long as we've had this new government, people haven't gone to school. So how many kids are in school from, from the Diane Lang home right now? All of us. I'm so all 42 of kids? Yes. Okay. The, uh, yes. So for $3,000, if you guys are listening anywhere in the world, wherever you are, please, no, no, no. for $3,000. That is only for our seven high school children. Okay, for $3,000, these kids can stay in school. That's what they're short for the year for seven kids. Now, you're saying that the state is free education. $7,000 is a lot of money for a school. You've got 42 kids or for a home that has 42 kids they need to feed and raise. 
That's a lot of money. That money can be going to other areas. So that is why I'm refusing to pay the school fees because the Constitution says in Section 28 that we are entitled to, the children are entitled to an education. Well, if that's true, then, you know, any, you, should, you should, really shouldn't have to pay any of the money, should you? But you're doing it. Uh, you're doing it because you I'm want the kids to deal. Oh, you're I'm not paying not anything. Doing it because we don't have the money. Okay. And I thought you paid some of the fee. You didn't pay for any? the junior school children. Okay. Yeah. I knew that you'd pay of some. Of which I have 29. Right, right. So, Diane, um, Diana Jagger, who is in our, in our window here, um, she says that the school, um, uh, they're not wanting to know or just are not interested in giving free tuition to disadvantaged children. Diana, in your opinion, if you paid this $3,000, would it make a difference? What do you think? I'm just going to wait for her response here. So, yeah, free education, that would be nice. And, and why is there such a disparity between the haves and the have-nots? Again, kids, kids who, who have no parents aren't supposed to have education? Well. Ruth? Sorry? Is, that, is, is kids who, who don't have parents aren't supposed to be educated? <laughs> you know what? It's um, it's There's a huge discrepancy between what the Constitution provides and what the government is able, actually able to do on the ground. And so the government's excuse for not implementing their policy or their, you know, their vision of every child being able to go to school free is the, the fact that there aren't enough tax dollars raised and generated and this, you know, it can't be afforded if, we, if it was rolled out for everybody to go to school for free. It would bankrupt the government. And you, and probably, re- realistically, on paper, it is true, and so fees are necessary to, to be charged. But there's no appropriate staggering of fees to be considerate of who can afford and who can't afford. There's huge inefficiencies within the government itself, which costs, um, which ends up siphoning off money that should prob- should be going to the schools, but rather they're, you know, they're, they've gone and they've been wasted by by incapacity and inefficient work. So the the functioning of the government actually makes the situation worse, whereas it would be fair to, say, charge someone uh, an amount that is within their budget and that's reasonable. Now there's a situation in South Africa that school fees across the board are, are at, at ridiculous rates, and until the government um, deter- sets itself to the task of, cleaning up its own house, the people mm-hmm. will always suffer. And then in actuality, it's the children who are suffering based on, basically because um, the government works poorly. Well, Diana says here in, in the window that um, they're not happy having black children in their school and that she took her own child out as they couldn't, um, they couldn't cope with the setup there. But this school is the closest school to uh, their home. Now, um, who's, is this, Alan, are you back on with us? Yeah. It, okay. Two things. One is I'm going to ask Diane. Have we lost Diane? No. No. Oh, I, people ask whether they can volunteer. I gather you give them free accommodation and African food. Are there more hindrance on help? I mean, the people, a lot of young people I've talked to and say, oh, they'd love to volunteer. Are they useful to you? That's what I really want to know. They're, they're very useful to us, and we can co- accommodate um, six volunteers at a time, and we have, we have a constant... Um, rotation of volunteers uh, and who come for anything between three and six months at a time. Um, we do have volunteer accommodation and they um, uh, they only have one African meal a, a week. Um, the, food is, <laughs> the food is very, very nutritious and uh, quite a variety. Um, and they have the use of the laundry and everything else. They work a 45-hour week, um, the volunteers do, and um, uh, they, they don't um, pay huge amounts of money like they do if they go through these volunteer programs.
programs, um, all they need to do is to let us when, know when they are arriving in Port Elizabeth. We collect them from Port Elizabeth. Uh, on our website is a volunteer contract with all the information. Can we have the website address again, Diane? It's uh, Lang, Diane with two N's, Lang, L-A-N-G, dot com. Okay, great. Thank you. I'm going to send so, Frank to you next week. I'm sorry? I think we should send you next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, my daughter wants to go. We'll send her. No problem. Yeah. Um, wow. We're, you know, we've got five minutes left. Well, it seems, obvious to, it seems obvious if you don't educate these kids when they grow up. It's going to cost much more policing them. You know, the only thing they're going to turn to is crime. Yeah. I mean, these well, that was what I wanted to ask. Is there, don't you pay tax dollars in, in South Africa? Yes, of course. But my children are going to be the next uh, um, cabinet. Mm-hmm. Yes, the president, minister of safety and security, minister of education. I'm going to have them all. Fantastic. Well, I don't understand, Ruth, and if they're paying tax dollars, I, I mean, we manage to have public education here. Um, why is it so expensive to have public education there? Don't, well, don't, there? Doesn't money go for education? Well, there are more people use it, relying on the service than paying, paying taxes. Oh, right? okay. So the amount that's distributed across the board, there's just there are too many people to, to cover with the amount that's that's collected in tax. Or is it that they, that the people in power are just taking the money because they can't? Yes, yes, that is that is also true. And we also spent uh, 3.5 uh, billion rand on arms uh, and submarines uh, were, uh, that we don't have anybody to sail that are rusting in the harbour, and we've bought um, all kinds of uh, war aeroplanes that nobody can fly and um, do you see how Diane gets herself in trouble yes <laughs> yes I see that okay but in our last in our last four minutes then I, I invite any listener to to write to me care of Diane or Diane herself or Ruth or anybody please just write to us if you have a brainstorm if you have some idea of how we can build compassion how we can help these children uh, again, they're not faceless and nameless. These are children who are terribly loved by those um, that come in contact with them, and it would be just horrific if they ended up back on the street um, because there's no money to care for them. So that is, you know, probably one of the greatest uh, things that gifts that we can give to them, um, along with helping to, you know, fight the Constitution for, you know, uh, humanitarian rights and children's rights. And this is what Diane is fighting. So, Diane, do you have any closing words? I'd just like to thank uh, you and Ruth and Dr. Russell and uh, everybody for listening and for those that support me and the work that I do. And um, I just thank you so much. Thank you, Diane. Ruth, any any words of wisdom from you? I just want to say thank you very much, Frankie, for, for doing this. Thank you, uh, Dr. Russell, for making this happen and putting Frankie in touch with uh, with Diane. And Diane, oh, I just love you and I miss you and I loved hearing your voice. Uh, I miss you too, Ruth. Frankie, we should go on again because literally if you keep on repeating the message time and time again about compassion and kids starving while we're overeating here, you know, sooner or later sooner, somebody's going to pick up and, and can respond, you know. I think you're I, I, I doing a wonderful to... job, and not because I know you, you're doing a wonderful job because it's ignorance and we don't really get the truth. We see glossy things of things in the States. We don't realize we live on the same planet. Well, I would invite anybody to ask me, uh, you know, I, I was asked today to come and speak at a church, um, a church that, that likes to, to fund programs in Africa. Um, so if you have a church, if you have an organization and you'd like me to come and speak to, to them on behalf of Diane or Diane come and speak, a university, if you're associated with a university, uh, you know, you can contact Dr. Russell or myself or Diana, or, and, and we're happy to come and speak to you about this um, if you'd like to help, and we would love for you to do that. So, well, radio reaches a lot, much larger organization, doesn't it? 
Yeah. I mean, a blog reach, reaches a large number of people who, I'm talking to somebody in England, somebody in Winnipeg, I'm talking to you in, around the corner. And we've got South Africa online as well. So, yes. yeah, we, we definitely... Uh, You're doing a wonderful job. Thank you so much. Both well, all you we, women. Again, listeners, everybody, Diane, I love you. Dr. Russell, thank you so much for all that you do. Ruth, thank you so much for making the time to call in this evening. Um, this has been Mission Unstoppable again with Diane Lang, and I hope that you will send this to everybody that you know. You'll be able to download this program in about 50 minutes. It is recorded. You can listen to Not it again and again. Radio. Good evening, everybody. Thank you again. Bye-bye. Good night. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good night.